as like the, an opportunity would come and it was, there was no question that I was going to take it, that kind of thing. It felt like, so I just would be working really hard. And when the opportunity would come, I would go there. And when the next opportunity came, I went there kind of without question. Conversations about the work behind the work with diverse artists from all over the globe. My name is Ruby Josephine Smith, and not only am I the creator and host of this podcast, I am a choreographer and contemporary dance artist. in process about process. I am not only fascinated by the creative process itself, but how to have better and more meaningful conversations about it with artists of different cultures, backgrounds, and mediums. Join me in digging deep into what it is that drives a person to make art. This episode today is yet another fun and insightful conversation between two dancers. Although, as always with these, I don't believe you need to be a dancer to enjoy it. Taylor Drury and I only met once in person at a dinner party in Tangier a couple years ago through mutual friends. We kept in touch and I have loved following her work on Instagram, especially the creative exploration she has been pursuing since the pandemic hit. So I knew she was someone I would love to have a conversation with on this podcast. Here is a little bit more about her before we dive in. Taylor Drury is a Canadian-born dancer, choreographer, and part-time line drawing artist. Taylor began her professional training at the Royal Winnipeg Ballet School at age 14 and later completed her BFA in dance at the Juilliard School. Following her formal studies, she joined the cast of Punch Drunk's award-winning immersive production Sleep No More in New York. During this time, she also worked as a freelance dancer and choreographer, collaborating with dance colleagues and filmmakers, and premiering her first evening-length dance work. Taylor moved to Germany in 2018 to pursue new opportunities overseas. After a few months of exploring the freelance scene, she was offered a position with Staatstheater am Gardnerplatz in Munich. She is now currently a full-time company member with Tanztheater Wuppertal Pina Bausch, joining the company at the beginning of the 2021 season. You can follow Taylor on Instagram at tay.drury and find out more about her work in the show notes on processpiece.com. In this episode, we talk about her path to becoming a dancer, which for her was full of the unexpected and many surprises as well as the period of doubting and questioning that often comes after graduating from an intensive arts program. We speak about conscious versus unconscious influences in her work, the practice of improvisation and how it can be built into a full-length piece, and the life of being in a company as a dancer as opposed to working freelance. She also talks about her drawing practice, which is called Wobbleworks, where she does a series of one-line drawings that she has expanded out into workshops and commissions. It was so fascinating to feel like I got an inside peek into Taylor's artist mind and the processes going on there. Those that have been worked through already and those that are currently in the works. Please enjoy this conversation with Taylor Drury. Well, Taylor, welcome to Process Peace. I'm really happy to be talking to you today. Thank you for inviting me here to chat. <laughs> I know. I've been wanting to chat with you for a while since we met um, in Tangier a couple years ago. I remember we met at this party and we were both wearing almost exactly the same kind of thing. And it was like <laughs> spot the contemporary dancers in the room. 
That's hilarious. We just like gravitated towards each other. Like I, you're a dancer. Yes. Oh, we okay. Me too. We understand each other. <laughs> that was it exactly. Yeah, and ever since following your work, I've really I felt that connection too. I feel like there's a lot in common in terms of style and interest. So I'm really excited to talk to you more about that today. Me too. <laughs> um, before we get into kind of what you're currently doing, I always like to go back and ask about kind of your past um, creative and artistic life. And I'm wondering, what is the first memory you have of creating something? Wow, creating something. Mm-hmm. Well, my my childhood was filled with um, creating different plays with uh, my sister and my cousins. And we would, um, usually my cousin would write the script and um, we would be involved in like deciding what we were gonna wear and kind of creating a play together. So that kind of was the first thing I thought of when you said, yeah, kind of a creative process, (laughs) performing um, silly um, princess plays to uh, all our family members. Yeah, and always just kind of creating different costumes and performing uh, maybe a comedy show for my neighbors. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. That's amazing. There's so much that goes into that. I mean, the script writing and the costumes, it sounds very elaborate for being so young. We were very full out, for sure, since day one. (laughs) I love that. When did dance start to come into the picture? Um, when I was, uh, six years old, I started, um, taking jazz dance classes. So that's sort of when everything began, kind of jazz and slowly introducing ballet, um, a few years after that. And, um, I was always just kind of creating little dances with my friends as well. So performing in the talent show as early as (laughs) grade five, I believe, Um, so that's sort of where it began. Amazing. It's really interesting because I had wanted to ask you about theater initially anyway, and it's interesting that your first creative memory is theatrical because I've noticed that a lot of your work and also just being a part of Now Tam's theater, Wuppertal is like very theatrical. Um, so is theater kind of running through your creative life alongside dance for a while? I... It's it's cool to hear you like put it in perspective that way because I never connected as much of like the fact that I created plays as a kid as like oh that it was theatrical work yeah I mean <laughs> I I always loved um, yeah playing characters and um, and kind of taking on that approach in a in a creative way. Like I, I also was in the school plays and things like that. Um, so I guess the answer is yes, that it really, it did start from a young age and yeah. has kind of stuck with me through into the future. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I just think it's interesting because I think there's a difference between dancers that come at dance maybe through more of like from sports or from theater and there's nothing, you know, right or wrong from either one of those paths. It just often creates kind of a different context for how you see your dance life going forward. So it's just interesting to hear. Well, I was also very into sports. Like I, oh, yeah? I was really into soccer. So I remember at, at a certain point I was doing soccer and everything was um, like bumping into each other, all of the scheduling. And so at a yeah. certain age, I had to pick one and... 
I didn't want to quit either, but I knew for sure I couldn't quit dance. So that was kind yeah. of um, the decision that was made. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I relate. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So was dance like, did you know from a young age that dance was something you wanted to pursue for your work? Definitely not, actually. I, I think about this all the time, how it's like, one decision that you make or you know you're you're pursuing something that you have fun with as a kid and it kind of just kept leading forward more and more that like I got really really um interested in ballet and it became clear to me that if I wanted to be a ballet dancer I had to let go away to school and that's Mm. kind of all I really knew I didn't actually know (laughs) what it meant to be um a professional dancer I just mm-hmm. that's just kind of what I was told like well if you if this is what you want to do like you have to go now and this is when I was 12 oh yeah because one school told me oh you're already too old you know oh my gosh yeah and that's so world. I started having <laughs> this feeling of like I need to I need to rush almost to like I need to get into one of these schools now or else it'll be too late and I won't be able to keep dancing that was like my 12 year old brain yeah so, and then, yeah, things kind of just lead, um, yeah, one thing into the next. And then you realize, oh, you can actually kind of just keep going with it. And obviously my path <laughs> led something, led in a direction that I, I could not have even imagined, yeah. even when I was 18. Like, yeah, I kind of just blew, blew up. <laughs> That's amazing. Were there moments in there that you kind of questioned whether dance was the right way or did it always kind of feel right as you kept moving forward with it? It always felt right uh, as like the, an opportunity would come and it was there was no question that I was going to take it, that kind of thing. It felt yeah. like the, so I just would be working really hard and when the opportunity would come, I would go there. And when the next opportunity came, I went there kind of without question. Um, but then there's then there was the period after I think um all those serendipitous opportunities yeah when you leave school and you are in the world (laughs) that's when the questioning started like wait what what does it actually mean to have or to be pursuing a career in dance and almost having no idea still after graduating college yeah. yeah. And you went to Juilliard, right? Which I can imagine is a very intensive dance program. Yeah. So four years there. And but again, it was sort of like working really hard and like staying present in the in the, the smaller opportunities that would come in a weekly basis, like one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing. And then suddenly, yeah, you're out of um, <laughs> yeah. you're out of school and you're kind of like, wait, I don't know if uh they really explained (laughs) what this was gonna be like but I think that it's impossible um to explain it so you just have to kind of live that yeah you just kind of have to experience it to actually figure it out I think yeah (laughs) what was like one of the major questions you were kind of asking yourself in that period Oh, question I asked myself was I had a lot of questions about the world (laughs) yeah um I was asking myself, like, yeah, how long can you keep doing this? Basically, like, if you Mm -hmm. have the experience where you're trying to get a job and you have a 
multiple experiences where it doesn't come to fruition, then it's, it's very challenging, especially I think, you know, when you're a young artist and most of your, your um, experience up until that point was really people um, encouraging you and giving you so much positive feedback and Mm -hmm. complimenting you after shows and kind of all this positive energy. And then when you, when you finish school and you're looking for a job that all of that kind of, um, or most of that (laughs) ongoing encouragement can kind of feel far away. And um, so it takes a lot of strength and patience to uh, keep going forward in those moments. Yeah. I really relate to that. You have to kind of find this inner sense of resilience, which I don't think, I don't think school can really give you. That's like, no, you learn through experience. And yeah. And it really, really takes time. Like where you'll get more and more and more and more no's after no's. And, and that's, yeah, when you can really kind of start questioning yourself and also just trying to decide what is it that you really want. And I think that mm-hmm. is one of the main blessings from those periods is that everything is totally stripped away and maybe you feel really lost, but it becomes with every no, it becomes more and more clear what you actually are interested in. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. every dancer knows like when you try for something and then you don't get it and then you're you're thinking to yourself I think I would have been really unhappy if I had gotten that so right. I'm thankful that I didn't and um so that gives a sense of clarity every single time you can start thinking like okay I'm never gonna audition for something in that in that kind of world again or you know you can kind of dip your toes in and it's a it's a two-way audition so you're also auditioning kind of that experience yeah I always think it's really important to learn especially in the kind of earlier years in your career like what you don't want before you really clarify what you want and I think that's part of that that process yeah I really I wonder how many young people know what they want though (laughs) yeah (laughs) because I think that people have an idea of um of something they think they want but everything is always completely different until you bring your history and your experience into the room then yeah I'm still learning a lot about that (laughs) I know yeah it's it's all in process still yeah I'm curious more about your kind of style and choreography because it looks like you've done a lot of your own work as a choreographer as well as a dancer. And it, I was just looking at some of the clips of your work and it all struck me as very Pina-esque already. Like, I don't know, there was a lot of influence and maybe that's just because I'm also a huge Pina Bausch fan so I can like recognize that. Um, but I'm curious if that was kind of a conscious influence and what other influences have been for your creating your own style. Well, it's funny because I haven't now, now since I left school, I haven't had, uh, I've had a pocket few of beautiful creative processes while I was still in New York. Um, But within the last little bit of time, I haven't been like actually choreographing Mm -hmm. projects. Um, And most of the, yeah, so the majority of the work that you're probably seeing online is from either 
my time at Juilliard or um, the few years afterwards. And it's interesting because I feel like when I first started making dance, I didn't actually know who Pina was. Like I was in the ballet world. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't even know. There was so much I didn't know. Like I had heard about Graham walks, but I didn't know who Martha Graham was. I didn't like, you know, in Canada and I was at Royal Winnipeg Ballet. It was like kind of just our little bubble of really focusing on what we were doing there. Um, So I had like, just moving really instinctually with how I respond to music. And um, I mean, I come from a, my family, I feel like is just a bunch of comedians, like a kind of a quirky group. And so I kind of have that history. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I saw a piece by Pina for the first time in 2012. And I, I don't even know if I was able to take I'm sure I was taking something in, but I was so shocked by what I was seeing. Like I had never seen anything like that, but for sure, I think that probably opened my eyes to like dance can be more than what I think it can be. Like it can be, it can be, yeah. Playing characters on stage and it can be using text. It can be making bizarre skits, which is something Mm -hmm. that I had kind of been doing since I was little yeah exactly so so I definitely feel like there was a connection and I'm not sure um exactly where where it came from so I don't think that it was a super conscious um influence Mm, like it wasn't I didn't sit and watch all of her uh videos on YouTube or something like there's actually there's still so many things I have not seen um but yeah, there's, I think there's, I don't know if that answers very no, well. No, it does. But... <laughs> I, and I think that's interesting about influences because I think sometimes we can become really obsessive about a person and really want to like take in everything. But I do think more often than not, it's this, like you see something and you're like, oh, this resonates with what I already kind of feel and what I do. And this makes sense right. for me. Yeah. And that's, so it's uh, almost it's, more that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's still, it's still definitely gotta be an influence like we're influenced by so many things but Mm -hmm. if if you ask if it's a conscious one especially in the works that I have made in the past I don't think it was so conscious yeah how is the so I think there's so many different roles in the dance world you know we can teach we can choreograph we can be a performer and interpreter so how have each of those roles felt for you does one feel a little bit more natural than the other or do they bring up different kind of parts of the process for you yeah hmm I feel like so far in my in like the last few years I've gone through a couple different phases um where you know when I finished school or having my choreographic playtime at school I thought for sure I was interested in the role of choreographer and was Mm -hmm. pursuing that a lot then also you're in the real world and then you realize how much work that is if you want to put together a production and how yeah. you have to write grants and you have to do this and you have to do that. And I, I, <laughs> I tried a lot, a, a little bit right out of school and I, I got fortunate to have a few um, residencies and experiences. Um, 
but then once I moved to Europe, I kind of was just trying to land here and I let, I kind of let that go aside a little bit. And, um, then, then more questions come up. I, I started to teach online a little bit during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Some, uh, once a week, I was kind of calling it gooey ballet. I'm not going to coin that term yet. I like it though. <laughs> yeah. Um, like trying to make, create my ideal ballet class that kind of can incorporate um, a lot of feeling and um, involving the spine and the head and the the momentum um, already in the bar. And mm-hmm. um, so that's been an interesting experiment for me. And, and now I feel I have a whole library of different classes. And cool. um, so that's something that I've been building. Um, but that's more about, I think, something as a side interest. I don't see myself as a dance teacher. I, I'm, yeah. just, I'm curious in it, but um, at least not at this point in my life. So I think uh, for now, I'm going to focus on being the interpreter a little Mm bit. Um, But as I have now been more and more away from the role of choreographer, I can feel that the desire is like um, about to peak. And I think Mm -hmm. I'll probably um, start working on something very soon. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Does that often come to you through improv? Because I've seen you do a lot of improvisation, which is something I think that's probably like 90% of my own personal practice is just improvising in the studio mm-hmm. and seeing what mm-hmm. comes of that. So I'm curious if that's if it's similar for you, if it kind of that's what kind of draws you into starting to come up with choreography ideas. Definitely. Yeah, I've always enjoyed working from my mind is not one that pre-plans the entire production and like has a dream or wakes up in the night and is imagining how the set looks and I'm going to have this many dancers. There are some people like that. I have some incredible friends who have that ability (laughs) and they can come into rehearsal and be a, you stand there, you go there and that kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. that's not how my brain (laughs) functions. I'm, I'm very interested usually in working, um, quite in the moment. So I'll, I'll probably have, I like to bring music that really inspires how I move rhythmically and um, yeah, trying to kind of start with that place of some improvisation and, mm-hmm. but building from it immediately. Like I wouldn't <laughs> leave it as an improvisation for too long, right. at least since I have, cre- <laughs> it's been now a few years since I've right. choreographed. Yeah. Is, does it often also come from a sort of concept or theme or is it more just that kind of playing with different things to begin that depends um one time I made a piece named Roberta and it was inspired by um an um a, a work of art by Lynn Hirschman Leeson I went to the mm-hmm. MoMA one time and I saw she has this whole exhibition you should look at it because I I won't do it justice in explaining the whole thing it's just it's really incredible and I there was one photograph in the exhibit that I was like I'm gonna make a piece and the I'm gonna it was three women dressed in the same exact outfit but all different heights like extreme heights tall Mm -hmm. small medium 
And just seeing that photograph, I was, uh, I'm going to make that as the theme of the piece. Oh, cool. sort of. And I, yeah. so that was definitely inspired by that work that she did. Um, and I also, one time I was make I needed to make a piece for school for my senior product production. And, um, I, I couldn't decide what I wanted it to be, what I wanted it to be about. And one morning I was just eating breakfast and I was in a phase of eating Cheerios for breakfast. And I just decided I'm going to bring these Cheerios to rehearsal and we're going to use a bowl. And that was how the piece started is just with my friend eating Cheerios out of a cereal bowl. And I looked up like Cheerios commercial and found some old jingle and so it's it really it could come from anything <laughs> that's amazing I um, love the kind of randomness of it but then it becomes not random in the way that I you like start to structure it. it yeah exactly like maybe it doesn't have something so clear to me in the moment but then it all makes sense after at a certain point like oh I was drawn to Cheerios because Cheerios remind me of my childhood and then yeah but they also I think they stand like a lot of people would think of would have some childhood memories with Cheerios and so <laughs> it ended up evolving into this really cool yeah kind of playful piece that's amazing I, I love that way of working I, I like to talk about process as like research and I feel like mm -hmm. when we think about research it sounds so like reading a book or like mm -hmm. watching a film and like really studying that but I think more of the research is in this like noticing something and then figuring out how to pull things out of it I don't know if that makes mm -hmm. sense but that that's, uh, that's often how I like start things too from this kind of random seeming place yes I think that you, you know, whenever you see something that is just so clever and you're blown away and it's something so simple. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's kind of what you're talking about is like yeah. actually just clearing away sometimes all these like bigger ideas you might have and just try to be present so you can pick out what is the, what is the little like seed. Um, seed of all <laughs> yeah. of that yeah yeah that's cool um well being two kind of more international dancers you could say I suppose I wanted to ask you about um what led you to move to Europe from New York because New York is such a thriving dance scene and so I'm curious what was that kind of impulse to move in the beginning um well I guess the main practical reason was that my visa was expiring in the U.S. Um, I'm oh, Canadian, of course. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was it was up, and uh, it's very expensive to get an O1 artist visa. And I had been there for a while, mm -hmm. but also when I was in school, I had heard about Europe dance scene, and um, I had visited already when I was still in school trying to get jobs make connections and so it was something I was already very interested in um so I kind of had already been in the process of pursuing it for a few years of okay coming over and doing some auditions or, or visiting I had been already to Germany a few times I knew I liked it and so when my visa expired and I was trying to decide, I thought I'm just gonna move myself to Berlin. Um, Perfect. 
I didn't have um, something bringing me there other than my desire to be in Europe. So yeah, um, yeah that's what. That's cool. It's a big that. move to just kind of leap to a place. I mean, I've, I've been through this and not really mm-hmm. know exactly what you're going to be doing there, but just this, this feels right. I'm going to try it and see how it goes. Again, it was sort of one of those things where I kind of took the opportunity that was in front of me and I didn't really um, analyze it so much. It's like, I knew I didn't want to pay all that money and live in New York without health insurance anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was kind of crazy. So I... I just took that as the impulse without thinking about, yeah, all of the crazy details that actually I thought about once I had moved of, oh yeah, I'm in a foreign country now. I don't speak the language and uh, I live alone for the first time. Like I don't have a job, like all of those, (laughs) all of those worries came up once I was already in it. And then, right. yeah. <laughs> but then you're forced to face it kind of like I feel like if you think about that too much before you go the fear starts to set in and you might not take that risk but mm-hmm. once you're there you're like well I, I have to deal with this now yeah exactly and once I was there things really did kind of just snowball effect yeah with the, with the little things that kept me afloat so yeah. that's good which in turn I think also really led me here because um you know, <laughs> one thing led to another, and then I was in Munich, and then the the current director of Tanztheater, um, Bettina, worked in Munich, so when I was at the audition, she, like, knew the company in Munich, so I, you never really know, like, but I feel like every, the path was, was set in its proper course somehow. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I love that feeling. I, I'm a believer in fate, so I, I like hearing those kind of stories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, did you feel like the the kind of dance world was very different when you arrived in Europe from North America? I'm curious, like, did you feel this kind of like context shift within what you were doing in your work? Yes, um, I think it was very different. The way people were approaching things in Berlin, it was much more, I want to say grounded almost, or... Um, I don't think relaxed is the right word because you still have to work really hard to um, make work and, you know, have your freelance job. So relaxed is not the word, but maybe less cutthroat in a way or Mm. more manageable. Um, And then in terms of just dance in general, yeah, the, the energy in the studio felt similar, like a little bit more, grounded mm-hmm. less people um pushing up into the front or hmm. just it's maybe it's hard to describe the energy but it's it's different for sure yeah mm. yeah I'm I mean I'm doing the opposite right now you know I've come from kind of over there in that dance world now to North America so I'm curious about the reverse because most of my dance experience has been through Europe being based in Tangier and then kind of working from there Mm -hmm. um so it's interesting yeah to feel that difference and kind of energy and I don't know how that's going to impact my work yet but I'm curious like has that impacted kind of your own um yeah your own dance and your own process Mm, I'm not sure I feel it must because I feel less stressed Hmm. (laughs) 
That's good. <laughs> I feel less stressed because, you know, it's easy to, it's easier to, I guess I'm struggling with this question because things pre-corona and corona, it's hard to think about what's yeah, that's already actually, like, like yeah what my experience was in Berlin two years ago it doesn't really seem um so relevant like I can't say it oh it's easy mm. to get to a yoga class and like things like that <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, that like, doesn't I don't, not anymore no actually interesting uh, I yeah. just spent this year like inside <laughs> <laughs> true so uh, yeah I'm not sure yet if yeah. how it's influenced me yeah, yeah, I do think there's kind of a new reality of influence. So yeah, that's yeah, because I had I had about a year in Berlin, but there was it was quite slow because I was very new in the city, mm-hmm. and then I was in Munich in a company for a few months before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I actually my experiences are still very limited yeah, in Europe in the Europe scene. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. What is the process for you of dancing in a company? Does it feel like a personal creative process to you? Or, yeah, I'm just curious kind of how that, how you think about that. Yeah, my first experience in a dance company actually wasn't until last year in Munich at that's mm-hmm. Theater Gartnerplatz. Um because I, I worked three years in Sleep No More, which was a, in a way it was a company, but it was also, it was a show. So it was oh, it was okay. different because um, we were performing the same show every night. Um, so that just had already in itself a different dynamic than a dance company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I will say that it's different than I imagined. Yeah, you yeah. know, I, I I thought I would go into a company earlier. Um, and so I had a kind of an idea of how I thought it would go. But then I had this few years um, working as a freelancer and also at Sleep No More. And so having that experience, I found it quite difficult in a way to go back into this yeah a dance company mindset where it's you go in and you you um yeah you'll work with different people and you you kind of just show up and then you do whatever the company has planned you know different that it's the opposite of freelance where you kind of build build your schedule and all this so you have your schedule and you go in and um but there's some really special things about it when you are in a, in a group with incredible people who can inspire you and um, you build these connections. And, but then also I think a, a lot of dance companies are very different than Tansiatter Wuppertal because sure. here is this whole other, um, whole other world. <laughs> yeah. The way it functions. Um, and I'm still, yeah, just dipping my toes in, like I said, with, because of um, Corona, right. um, it's been a slower entry into what company life here would be. Because usually mm-hmm. they would be on tour, traveling the world, like majority of the time, and then sometimes in Wuppertal and like very busy. And so I, this is a very unique time. Very true. So um, yeah, 
Yeah. Do you think there's, I think there's maybe something good about this slowing down, especially for people in the performing arts, because it is, like you said, it can be really cutthroat. It can be really like dive in head first and just do all these things at once. And I think that slowness is kind of forcing everyone to reevaluate like where they want to be in this world and what they really want to do with it. So I think, I don't know, I think there's some value to that too. I think for sure. I think that similar to what we were talking about before with um, auditions and, and, and like maybe having all these experiences of no, no, no. And, and having to question, 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 question. I think maybe not all dancers have that experience, but many, many people, many artists have had that experience. So we've already done a deep, um, listening usually through that Mm -hmm. but then with the pandemic uh the whole world is now in that position and um i'm i'm curious if as as dancers maybe we had a one-up in a way (laughs) but (laughs) like how how to deal with it maybe a little bit some some people yeah. I don't know in terms of freelance for sure I think working yeah. freelance you already kind of know how that feels these like cycles of slowness and then like, like I cycles realized of, after yeah. um a few months in the into the pandemic I, I was like oh I've been here before when I moved across the world to Germany and lived alone I felt kind of isolated just like this actually so yeah. I felt like oh I've I've done this before like <laughs> maybe I, I can handle this better this time kind of like you know but I think that it's been really a unique time to be able to listen and I think a lot of people have been probably getting more creative in their in their way of thinking about things because you have to get creative with how are you going to spend your time and I know people have all these different hobbies and different things that they're doing. And that is all form of a person's creativity. So, yeah. um, I think, yeah, hopefully that's the, one of the positives is that people feel more in tune with their interests and, um, yeah, Yeah. can kind of keep bringing that out and, and as the years go on. (laughs) Yeah, I hope so. That Mm -hmm. brings up actually perfectly. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Wobbleworks, your drawing that you do. Have you been drawing for a long time? Uh, As a kid, I was a terrible drawer, (laughs) a terrible artist um, on paper. (laughs) Um, But when I I was in um, ballet school, my last two years, I remember we had art like once a week I think each semester (laughs) and uh, we had a a great teacher and she would just build these um, object sculptures up (laughs) and we would just sit there and she taught us like how to start thinking about shading like paying attention to where is the light hitting where is the shadow and um, kind of just sitting there and putting that focus in I started to that's when I think I started to draw was then um but still I wouldn't say it in terms of like if I if somebody asked me to draw a cat like I don't think it would come out well (laughs) (laughs) like my I feel like my um drawing is quite it's specific to what I I'm interested in which is the one line (laughs) drawing and I've been working on my other drawing skills but 
I've been working so closely and specifically with one line drawing since college that now I feel like I've created, um, yeah, I have my own style now with it. And that's been pretty exciting over the last few years. I started play, I started making one line drawings during college when we were just trying to pass the time, we would do these drawings where you're not looking down at the paper or lifting your pen Mm -hmm. and always it comes out all crooked and silly and, um, but always really interesting. And, um, I kind of, that's where the obsession began. <laughs> That's so like, interesting. Mm-hmm. It's such a specific thing to kind of study and practice over and over, but I love that. And it's something you've really mastered. I mean, you're teaching workshops in it now too. Yeah, that that started because of the pandemic and it wasn't actually my idea. <laughs> oh yeah? <laughs> yeah, my friend Kelly, who started this um, online platform, Movement for Hope, mm-hmm. um, which was offering a lot. It was one of the first... I, platforms I'm pretty sure who who was like we're gonna put everything online because they came from sleep no more that the company Mm. in New York that the show just stopped suddenly you know and everybody was out of work and nobody could go to the dance studios to train everything you know was was completely stopped for them and so they very quickly put together this platform and so I wrote her and said this is such a beautiful idea like I can't wait to take your classes and she's like, well, what do you want to teach? <laughs> she's like, do you want to teach? It was, it was all, it actually all started because of her idea. And she said, do you want to teach maybe like a chill ballet class once a week? And, and what about like wobble works, a, like a drawing workshop? And I was thinking, you know, I did not go to school for visual art. <laughs> right. I, I, I could probably do a workshop a workshop like mm-hmm. yeah. and, and you know we can do I can introduce what I do but then she said I want you to do it three times a week for like 20 minutes and it can be called art break so then uh, that was a good creative task of trying to think of what can I do today what can I do now like I felt like I had said everything and so then I had to push more and more to find different fun things you can do with a one line so it's just kind of gotten out of hand now that's amazing I I love the line drawings you do and I think it's so interesting that you say you know I didn't go to school for visual art and yet it's something you've really practiced for so long and I think that experience of like organically creating something for yourself is just as valuable as studying something in school. But it's so funny how like I do this too. If we haven't studied it, we second guess ourselves to be able to teach it or like pass it on to other people. Yeah, definitely. Like I still think about that sometimes because I have so many friends, like incredible talented artists. (laughs) Sometimes I, I wonder like, Oh, like, yeah. If they would think ever like, Oh, she's a dancer and she's like sharing all her art. I don't know, you know, it's easy to kind of, um, you know, think that people um, are judging you. That That's with everything. But um, yeah. but anyways, I've, I've received only incredible support from friends. And that's great. Um, Do you see any parallels between that drawing practice and your dancing practice? Because I find it interesting already that it's called Wobble Works. And I just like seeing your improvs, there's something like you said, kind of like wobbly and quirky that you work (laughs) with a lot. So I'm like, is there like, do you see any connections between that? I think the connection is that they both come from me. Mm. Yeah, I think like, 
Well, but when I was, I had the idea to start maybe sharing some of my one-line drawings on Instagram because I had shared them on my own personal page and people were really enjoying it. So I thought, okay, maybe one day. And then, um, yeah, I was trying to think of a name and that was that was like the first thing that came to me was Wobbleworks. <laughs> and then I, of course, was judging it and thought it was terrible, a terrible name. You know, I had asked a European friend, like, what do you think about Wobbleworks? And she was like, she's French. She's like, like Wobbleworks. Like, and so, so depending on where you're from and like trying to say Wobbleworks can be a bit yeah. challenging. <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know. <laughs> People I don't know exactly what Wobble means. and Sure. So I, I toyed with some other names, but then it just became very clear that that, that was actually the best one. Um, and so, yeah, the name, the name and then the style and the way I move, I think that there's a connection. I don't, I couldn't really tell you in words what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, you said it's just, it all comes from you. And I think that's what connects our creative practices. Yeah, it's funny. I had somebody reach out who... I think had been taking the dan- my my dance classes and my wobble workshops separately. I, I think I haven't met this person, but they wrote me a message and asked, you know, like, oh, I saw your teaching again. I would be I'm I'm interested in your class, but I'd also be interested if you wanted ever to do like a wobble workshop and a dance class like combined. Hmm. Um, and she's like, I'm not sure if that's something that that you think would be fun but I, I would think it would be fun <laughs> something cool and I was, yeah I'm still that that idea is floating somewhere in my brain trying to figure out what that would actually look like and would it actually could I make a something that makes sense in my head to connect the two in a class format but yeah it's cool sometimes how these classes can actually push us in different directions with our work I've definitely found that as kind of a teaching artist I guess you could say also yeah, definitely. That's what I've enjoyed because like before Corona, um, maybe occasionally I would teach uh, a guest teach a ballet class here and there and things like that. But I didn't have actually so much experience with building a class and really like doing it every week. Yeah. Um, and so I'm super thankful for that experience in, in both with like, yeah, putting into words what the drawing is and trying to teach a version of it and then also being able to teach a wobble workshop for the grade six class in Tangier at AST like teaching kids that because I had now done it over for a year and I knew how I could make it fit for young people and that was fun that was really cool I love that I'm curious because you do so many different things and I know this is a bit of a weird period because we're all kind of in this like standstill but when you look at your work so far and kind of the processes you've been through to get where you are do you feel like there's I often talk about this kind of like core that a lot of artists have of like either a question or a theme that they're always trying to kind of come back to and I'm curious if you find that in your work if there's like a question you're always asking yourself that leads you forward or some sort of like resonant theme that you're always finding I mean, there's, I think there's lots of different aspects to it because there's the aspect of that as like in my physicality and then also in like how I'm thinking about things. Like I kind of, sometimes they're, they're a little bit separate Mm -hmm. when I, when I'm thinking about 
my physicality, I'm constantly trying to challenge it. Um, like ever since um, moving kind of from ballet into contemporary more, like I always wanted to be able to do the floor work things just as much as I could do. Like everybody looked at me and said, okay, she can do ballet, but I, I needed to like work really hard to dive more and more into this like really wild, like grounded contemporary and like things like that. So yeah. when, I, when I think about the question I'm asking physically always is like, what more can I do? what yeah more 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 yeah. <laughs> like and and how um yeah to find the availability in in my whole body to take on whatever is kind of thrown at me so mm -hmm. just kind of trying to absorb absorb all of the information physically yeah maybe I'll just focus on that answer <laughs> yeah I like that that's that's a really interesting answer because it's so like I don't know, taking in instead of something like coming out. But I think that's like such an important part of the process is to like just be available. And yeah, I like that as like a core. It's something I haven't heard before. Yeah, I think that I'm, I'm always just trying to get as centered as possible with like my groundedness, um, my yeah, my speed or my um, how slow I can move, like really just like tuning in more um, with the physicality because I feel like that allows me to become more, I don't know, it sounds pretty cheesy when you say like become a vessel. <laughs> but it you is know? like, yeah. But it's like when you really wanna be speaking from something like that is deeper than what you can express with words, then I feel like that's kind of what it, what what it takes is like a lot of just like inner listening so I think then my body can answer the the questions mm. that's cool I like that what do you think this is kind of like drawing out from that even bigger I often like to question kind of like what is the purpose of art in the world but I'm curious because you know we're dancers what do you think kind of the purposes of dance if it has a purpose in our world <laughs> very big question but well I think it definitely has a purpose <laughs> yes <laughs> I agree um, because I mean and the purpose of dance is different for every every person um whether it's if they don't like to dance themselves at all then dance has the ability to affect them visually like if they if they see it and they tune in it it can like visually take you on a journey. It's sort of like with music, you can close your eyes and the journey will take you from the sound. Mm -hmm. um, and when you watch a movie, there's a lot of aspects like sound, visual, um, you know, text. And, yeah. and with, with dance, it is, if it's pure dance, it's like, it's quite visual or it can be also in, um, the relationship to the music but I think it it has the ability to take somebody on a journey and make somebody think about things or feel something um and then also maybe if it's not that the person enjoys watching any kind of dance which I think would be impossible <laughs> but um you know then then they probably have a con or they could have a connection with it um physically themselves as um, they are grouping to a music and they already have this instinctual 
um, dance in, inside them. So yeah, it's kind of a connector. Yeah, it could resonate in so many different ways with somebody. Something I'm thinking about recently is, yeah. So for example, how I when I improvise, how I'm responding to the music is very, it's like my personal instinctual reaction. Maybe I ignore a certain beat or I um, foreshadow it or whatever, Mm -hmm. I'm responding to it. And if somebody watches it and is trying to like understand how I'm responding musically, Mm-hmm. or how I'm physically responding to the music maybe yeah. then um if they can maybe they can figure it out maybe they have no idea what's happening but the, and they are connecting to it and they don't know why and they're like trying to figure it out I feel like yeah I feel like that's what's interesting about art and dance and having that kind of a yeah, because it like connects everything because it's also yeah. connecting you to the music and you're like changing how someone experiences the music based on right. how you're moving yeah. through it. Yeah, exactly. Really cool. Well, are you working on anything right now that you'd like to talk about? Well, <laughs> working on myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's that's the theme of this year's like. Yeah. Yeah, which we kind of were talking about, like working on personal physicality. Um, Yeah, creating habits that I want to carry into the future. So I'm working on whether that's, yeah, with my artistic process or just life habits. Um, So working mostly on on myself and... um, (laughs) Yeah, I I have lots of little side projects with Wobbleworks, actually, which is, it's been nice to have kind of something that um, isn't related to my, my job that can be like my side companion, which is, that's what Wobbleworks is for me. And so I like working on some little commissioned projects um, and making a logo, for example, uh, and um, yeah, kind of just a bit of that and then um, physical research. But like I said, I can feel this like creative um, bubble that's about to burst. Like I definitely want to get in a process soon. I'm feeling like I'm starting to land a little bit in the new city. Arriving in a new city during the pandemic is you know, it takes time to land and get to know people. It takes way longer because you're not supposed to meet up. So I was feeling that a bit of like, if I wanted to make something, I don't know, I still feel like such a newbie here. Like, who would I Mm -hmm. ask to, um, to, you know, be involved in something that I wanted to make. Um, But everybody that I have met here is super warm and I'm starting to build connections. So soon I think something will, the seeds will start to come up maybe in maybe this spring (laughs) yeah perfect yeah (laughs) perfectly seasonal maybe I think I'm just yeah I'm very connected with the seasons (laughs) yeah coming out of hibernation slowly true I I think it's kind of good to be in tune with that because it really it gives you like nature's permission to go through these different cycles that we need like as a creative we need that cycle of hibernation but I think it can be hard to give ourselves that yeah, so I feel like I was maybe able to give myself that 
like I, with some permission, because I had this other creative, like wobble works thing, I could, I could have that. I can, I can also share little clips of improvisation here and there and share a little bit of like, like it's totally a tiny little sneak peek into where I am at, like in my mind and my physicality. But yeah, it's, it's been nice. Like you were saying about, there's not so much pressure right now because um, everything is so slow. So I think having the pressure off allows that space to just like catch a breath and land. So that's so important. Yeah. You were talking about building habits right now. And that leads right into a question that I like to ask everyone, actually, which is, do you have any habits or kind of rituals that help enhance your creative life? And maybe that's something you're building right now. Mm-hmm. I pro- I think I have a lot of little rituals. Um, <laughs> maybe one of the, the clearest rituals that I can think of is just whenever I hear a song that resonates I always save it and I I usually save it for later. So I have this like little playlist of hearted songs on Spotify that I, when I hear the song, it's like, I, you know, when you have that desire to like vomit movement. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I know exactly what you mean. It's like, just feel it. It's like when you hear a good song and you want to belt it out and it's like that feeling. Um, so I have my little collection of those songs and probably one of my rituals is when I'm in that like a nice headspace and I have time, then I will just allow myself like I'm going to go through that playlist now and I'm just going to listen and move to however many songs I want to and just see like which one. And then usually, yeah, one or two in that very specific moment is like really resonating and speaking and then I'll I'll improvise maybe to the same song like 10 times and just see like what how it evolves and so that's sort of I think that might be like my most clear um creative ritual right now um is there anything specific that's been inspiring you lately so often it's these kind of things that like pop up around you that maybe are resonating or just feeling inspiring well when the sun shines in Wuppertal I feel very inspired (laughs) Oh my gosh, I lived in Germany for three months and I I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, I would say I'm struggling sometimes with finding inspiration on rainy days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's most of the days, no. <laughs> that's, that's dramatic. But um, yeah, like right now the sun is peeking out and there's blue sky after a mostly rainy day. It's kind of been in and out. And I just mm-hmm. always feel like, oh, with this lighting and this weather, I could sit and I could draw something or I could think about, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good for the headspace. So I think the sky, there's also these beautiful forests in Wuppertal. So if I, if I get a nice day and I can go on a walk through the woods, I feel like that's very grounding Yeah, because it can be hard to motivate to go outside if you don't have a destination. I've I've been finding after a certain amount of time, I don't want to just go on a walk. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I want to go somewhere. (laughs) I want to meet somebody. Um, Yeah. But if, yeah, if you can get out the door and do that, then I I always feel better. So I like that. Yeah, I like this theme of grounding that keeps coming up. I think that's what (laughs) a lot of us need right now. And especially as dancers. I don't know. I just think it's something that's so important that sometimes we can lose track of if we don't have that time and space to find it in ourselves. 
yeah, I think that this has been one of those, it's been a year where you need to find what can keep you feeling sane or else you will <laughs> just like, yeah, I think we've all lost it for sure a few times, <laughs> but definitely yeah, so then to just like keep returning to like what feels grounding and, um, yeah. Well, it's amazing to hear more about kind of, you know, I just see these snippets on Instagram. So it's amazing to hear kind of the like fleshed out of all of that and what's going on in your life and process. So thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. Thanks for helping um, reflect back to me what's been going on. I'm like, oh, yeah, like I am. I do have this theme of grounding. Uh, and that's, yeah, it's, it's just kind of cool to have an exchange about that. And so thanks for chatting with me. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks. For links to find out more about Taylor and her work, head over to the show notes at processpeace.com. You can also follow this podcast on Instagram or Facebook at processpeace and get these episodes delivered directly to your inbox along with a whole lot of extra inspiration by subscribing to my Sunday newsletter via rubyjosephine.com slash subscribe. If you've been enjoying Process Peace, I would so appreciate you choosing to support this podcast in any or all of three ways. One, leave a rating and review on iTunes. Two, share your favorite episode with a friend or on social media. And three, make a contribution at buymeacoffee.com slash rubyjo. A huge thanks again to Taylor for this delightful conversation. Thank you to Cooper Lee Smith for creating the original music for this podcast. And as always, a special thanks to you for listening. Thank mm-hmm. you.